Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of It's Nice to Want. We have our very first guest on today. She is a friend of mine and I invited her today because she has always given me great life lessons in the short time that I've known her. So Rachel is by profession working in the fashion industry as a market researcher and data analyst. Outside of work, she is an advocate on her socials for personal development personal finance, and she even shares some really vulnerable stories related to her own healing journey. So please welcome Rachel Dorsey. I said that right, right? Rachel Dorsey? Rachel Dorsey? Rachel Dorsey. Okay, perfect. Yeah, we've been friends for a year, and I'm like just figuring out how to say her last name. Learned it like 10 minutes ago. So I think the thing I like about Rachel is that she's really great with her words. So I'm going to let you tell the story of how we met in the nail salon a year ago. Yeah. So I was getting my nails done and we were getting manicures and this girl walks in and sits next to me getting her own uh, manicure done. And uh, I was like, she looks like she's about my age. She looks kind of cool. I like the color she chose. And so I said something to her about the color and then she said something back. And then we started talking about all sorts of things. The conversation got probably too deep for the, the public setting of a nail salon with a stranger. Yeah, no one um, else is talking at this time. And like Rachel and I are the only ones talking. Yes, it was silent in there otherwise. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, we just clicked. And so it just seemed kind of natural to want to hang out again. But um, you know, that, you're actually my first friend that I have in my adult life just spontaneously been like, hey, you want to be friends? So... That was like one of those moments of (laughs) pulling courage out of nowhere to be like, hey, you want to follow each other on Instagram and be friends? The universe pushed you to do it. It was like this friendship needs to happen. (laughs) It was. It was. It's so funny, too, because I see you as such an extrovert at least compared to like my own personality. And I'm naturally really drawn to extroverts. So when you say that, it's surprising because I, especially when you first like reached out and said that, I was like, oh, she probably has so many friends. Like she probably does this all the time. I'm really glad you did it though, because even though I have my clubs and I talk to people on a regular basis and I wanted to be your friend when we were talking, I was not going to be the one to do it. Like I, I was not going to initiate it. And I was kind of sad because I was like, eh, this exchange of information doesn't come from her end. Like this friendship's not happening. And I'll say goodbye to my long lost friend that I never (laughs) gotten the number of. So I'm really grateful for that. And it's actually inspired me to be a little bit more forward uh, with other people I connect with. I also want to just touch on some current life events. What are you up to? Let's see what's going on right now. Um, You know, I've been working on a lot of little goals. And so I feel like that kind of has taken up my free time. I'm trying to go outside every day, which like as someone who works from home, uh, you know, eight hours a day and starts day early. It's, it's hard to do even in a place like sunny Southern California. Um, and I'm with that, I'm trying to just kind of enjoy some of what the outdoors has to offer, you know, going to the beach more, going to the pool, especially not the weather's getting nice. Um, I've been doing, uh, new cocktail recipes. That's something that's excited me. Oh, I, wait, do you just make that for you and your husband? Yeah, I actually want to have like a, a girls' night soon with some people to I would show off that. my new skills. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I really I really enjoyed that during the pandemic. Um, Brennan and I started making co- cocktails at home because we couldn't go get them out at restaurants and whatnot. And uh, 
So you know, Brennan's favorite is Moscow Mule. One of my classic favorites is a uh, margarita. But um, I got kind of tired of drinking just those two cocktails. So And there's been all these uh, new recipes and things circulating on Instagram. So I've been kind of influenced and inspired by some of the reels that I've been finding. So. Segwaying into the main topic and the title of this episode, which is balancing perfectionism. I think this is something that we thought of immediately because I feel like from what I've learned about you in the past year, it seems like you have all of these tendencies. So let me pull up my little outline I have. Um, But first question, okay, we're going to get right into it. Can you tell me about when you first yourself started to notice that you were a perfectionist? Yeah. Um, Since baby time? Since recently? (laughs) (laughs) I think I've always been some form of a perfectionist. um, But the first time that I have a real memory around it is probably right around puberty. Mm -hmm. Um, Like middle school, maybe freshman in high school. I don't even really remember the circumstance, but I realized that I felt this like just enormous amount of pressure to be of a certain standard and I ran home and like chewed out my dad (laughs) I was like I I threw one of those teenage fits where it was like you have such high unrealistic expectations of me and all wait why did you lash out at your dad because I thought it was his fault I like Mm. blamed him and um it it I for sure blamed him and kind of just like unleashed and in that conversation you blamed him for what for having un, like high expectations oh, and expecting okay, me to be perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm, okay. Um, which was not in hindsight was not really true, but that's how I felt in the moment. But I think another part of it was not taking responsibility and ownership for that perfectionism. Yeah. Um, but I was a teenager. So, you know, that's Angsty. what we do when we're teenagers, we blame our parents. Oh yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I came home and blamed my dad and he just, listened to me and he was like, okay, don't know where this is coming from, but let's talk about it. And by the end of the conversation, I realized that I was being pretty unreasonable. Um, But also my dad said something to me that's kind of stuck with me into adulthood and also helped me with my perfectionism. And the phrase that he used was all you can ever ask of yourself is the best you can do. So Mm -hmm. as long as you're doing your best, whether it's in school or at the time, you know, I played basketball. um, If I'm doing my best on the court and doing my best with the books, then that's all my dad could ever ask of me. And it's not fair for him or myself to ask of perfection. Um, You would think that I would have learned my lesson in that conversation, but um, I don't, think I fully learned the lesson right there so if I'm really thinking deep about the roots of my perfectionism I think it comes from a lot of things and when I think about where perfectionism could come from for anyone um I think it can come from having high expectations or an overly critical self voice or someone in your life that has high expectations or is overly critical of you. And that could be a parent or a coach or a teacher or just again, yourself. And then the other part of it that I think drives 
uh, perfectionism is shame and judgment, which can come also from your environment. Mm-hmm. And so true. I, I personally grew up in Orange County, and Orange County is one of those places that there's kind of always these rose-colored glasses around everything. There's Real this- Housewives of Orange County is what I'm thinking of, but I'm sure there's yeah. much more to it. <laughs> I mean, that's very dramatized. Uh, A lot of people ask me, like, oh, the OC. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, I didn't grow up in an environment that was like the OC, but, you know, there were some some elements of truth in that show. Um, The pressure to look a certain way or to act a certain way or uh, to be the best of the best. I grew up in a really competitive environment. Like, Mm -hmm. people, people were very competitive in terms of, Uh, sports with school with whose kid was better at this one thing who was prettier and um, that in itself I think did contribute to my perfectionism the environment that I grew up in but also I attribute a lot of that competitiveness to some of the success that I've had so I think there's pluses and minuses to that Um, so I do think it's a combination of nature versus nurture but inherently I also I personally find a lot of satisfaction achieving new things and achieving a goal and pushing myself and pushing my limits and growing and I think it's a slippery slope when you can push yourself too much to be a certain way and it it goes from wanting to enrich your life to and it goes from towing the line of wanting to enrich your life versus actually hurting yourself by providing in these impossibly high standards and expectations for yourself. So first of all, I guess the question I have is like, what drives that perfectionism? Are you successful most of the time when you set goals or how does that whole, like whole prospect work out? Yeah. Um, I think there's a, a lot to speak to in that. I, mm-hmm. I've actually found a lot of success that has come out of the high expectations that I've set for myself. Yeah. Um, everyone's definition of success is different. So like what I think is success might be different from, you know, my parents or my peers or even you. Immediately but, I thought of like good job, financially stable, like stable relationship, which is funny because it's like such a like, you know, different thing for everyone at different stages in their life. But like, it's funny when you say that, that there is like that specific thing that or specific viewpoint we each have and like. I totally just projected it onto you. And I was like, I think you're successful because you have all of those things, but you cannot have those things and be successful. So I love that. Um, But okay, so what's like success in your mind? Well, I I appreciate that. That's really nice of you to say. Um, I think some of that does contribute to the success in my mind. You know, I I wanted to, when I was younger, um, you know, my family kind of always saw that I was a bright kid. Um, I was really driven at school and I did well at school and I excelled and my family saw that in me. Um, My grandmother was a teacher and a school principal and encouraged me from a really young age to pursue academics, not necessarily professionally, but just she saw it as a tool in her life that propelled her further as coming from a family that was very poor and underprivileged that semi-immigrant mentality kind of was passed down to me and working hard in school I did put those expectations on myself but I also saw the praise that came out of that by Mm -hmm. succeeding Um, you know you want your family to be proud of you and everyone was always excited when I came home and brought home an A and a straight A 
report card and whatnot. But then more importantly, I saw the path that school could get me. It was if I did great in high school, I could get into a good college. If I got into a good college, I could get an amazing job. If I got an amazing job, I could provide for myself. And I could do whatever I wanted, wherever I wanted. And maybe somewhere along the way, I would meet someone amazing and he would be my life partner and we'd start a family and have kids and get a house. It was also all very cookie cutter. (laughs) And while I still want and strive for a lot of those things, they definitely didn't pan out exactly how I thought that they would. The first half of it definitely did. I worked really hard in high school and um, I was lucky enough to get a full ride scholarship to college. And I went to a great school and I also came out of school with multiple job offers. And one of them allowed me to move to New York City, which was a dream of mine. And then where I met my husband. So a lot of good did come out of me pushing myself and having those high expectations. Um, But I do think there are points in my life where I could have enjoyed life more had I not pushed myself so far. Yeah, I could have had a little more fun or a little less stress had I recognized that there's kind of a, I don't remember what the word is, but there's actually like, there's a word for it where you reach a certain point and then after that, any incremental uh, effort or change doesn't actually propel you that much further. And so you're kind of expending extra effort that you didn't need to expend to get to where you needed to be or wanted to be. So I think that there definitely was more effort and pushing myself too far. But it's hard to say that if I had put less effort that I wouldn't have got to where I am. So in hindsight, in hindsight, it's always 2020. It's like you're saying really, that just like going but, <laughs> the extra mile and you're like, okay, this is like really what's going to get me there. Totally. I actually have this uh, kind of game that I would play for myself in school um, that where I would approach every class as if I could get an A. And I knew that some classes were harder than others and maybe I wouldn't get an A, but I would like, if there was a spectrum of failing to an A, I would work as hard as I could get to get an A, but my realistic expectation would be that most people in this class get a B or a C. So if I push myself to an A, I can at least end up on the upper end of the class performance. I would Mm -hmm. play kind of a competitive game with myself. Yeah. And, uh, it for me it worked. It made me successful, and it, you know, I graduating with honors. But at the same time, did I really need to push myself that hard? So yeah. So it worked out for you. But like, say someone who's struggling with perfectionism right now, what advice and tips would you give them uh, on managing it? I think perfectionism is a mindset, um, and it's a mindset that can be mitigated and and remedied like if you pay close enough attention to the moments that you feel yourself having those high expectations or pushing yourself too far um I think it's important to pause and really reflect on what's the root of this what am I fearing Mm -hmm. because a lot of perfectionism comes from a need for control uh it comes from fear of failure fear of judgment fear of shame And if you can identify where that is coming from, 
you can kind of reroute your thinking into allowing yourself some grace and forgiveness. Also recognizing where you're at in your life. Um, For the listeners on here, I, uh, last year, my mom passed away. And so that had a profound effect on me in my life. And so it's really unrealistic to give myself the expectations that I would perform at the same capacity as I would before my mom got sick or before my mom passed away. Um, That requires a certain amount of healing and processing and an emotional uh, recovery. And if I'm pushing myself too far, I may not allow myself the room to experience everything else in life that I need to in that moment. So I think it's important to be kind of intuitive and, and to think introspectively of like, what's really going on in my life? Is this a realistic expectation? But I think perfectionism sometimes goes beyond just your relationship with yourself. Perfectionism can affect you in the workplace too. And something that I see a lot in like young professionals and even managers. Um, And that's a place where I think personally I've mastered um, or not mastered, but at least because that makes it sound like I've perfected my perfectionism, (laughs) 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 even as I'm speaking, but I've, I found a way to overcome it or get past it. And, um, in the workplace, I feel like people who are perfectionists can take too long doing things. And that's a major Mm -hmm. fatal flaw that I found myself doing early in my career. I took way too long to finish tasks or to complete a project and the rest of my team would be waiting on me. And I worked in the fashion industry in the beginning. You can't, you can't work slow. Things need to move along Um, as do many careers. Uh, Another part of it is you can be overly critical of your work and other people's work and criticism is not welcome to from others and it's not welcome in your own mind that's actually probably an area i still struggle with is being self-critical i'm pr- very overly critical of my own work Same. um it's really hard i'm bet much better at it with being critical of other people because i think that that uh, forgiveness is important but it's it's just weird how you can apply that to your relationship with other people not but not your relationship with yourself I know and I like I still haven't figured that out like I I just don't even know how I would go about the process of viewing myself as just another human being who's just as vulnerable as everyone else I don't know how people are able to make that shift And I think this is why I'm like so drawn to cognitive behavioral therapy because you really work on reframing those thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's what you're working on right now. I know, I don't know if you even want to mention this, but like you said, you go to therapy. It's something that I've been interested in, but I'm definitely not putting like all of my efforts into going to it because I almost have this like voice in the back of my head that's saying, you still need to think of yourself differently because that's the only way you're going to push yourself to do things well. If you start thinking of yourself as like with as much grace as you do with everyone else, then you're not going to get ahead. So I almost feel like I'm not even ready to do that. But I totally agree with what you're saying with like it it also not being helpful with being an efficient person and actually preventing you from like pursuing a lot of things effectively in your life. Efficiency, so weirdly enough, efficiency is one of my favorite things. I 
I feel like it's a game that I play with myself to figure out how I can improve a process at work or improve a process in my life or something like that to make it more efficient. And um, in a weird way, that game that I play with myself with efficiency um, has improved my relationship with the perfectionism when it comes to like work and tasks and doing things. But uh, it's it's a hard like process to get there. Um, in terms of therapy, um, I'm a big proponent of therapy. Love it at all phases of your life. B- bad things don't have to be happening for you to go to therapy. I, mm-hmm. I personally like, I'm one of those types of people who just really enjoys learning. And I see therapy as a learning opportunity. Um, but it, it can be a slippery slope. You can over therapy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, I want to hear your opinion on this. Okay, so I actually <laughs> therapy. was just happy. Over therapy. Yeah. Overdoing therapy. So I actually was just discussing this with a friend of mine who is a therapist. Um, if you, anyone listening wants to follow her, her name is Katie and, uh, her handle is Katie talks therapy. She's wonderful, a real treat. Um, but she recently posted something related to perfectionism. So we had a little discussion about it and, I love like self-help books and I love, I, you know, I really enjoy therapy and I have at different points in my life. Um, but, uh, reading too much self-help books and doing too much therapy can actually lead to an idealization of how you should be, which actually feeds, it feeds into perfectionism. And so mm-hmm. it creates this unrealistic perfection or unrealistic perspective of who you should be. So you're kind of like, creating you could in theory create a superhuman in your head with all the knowledge that you learn so if you learn all this cool stuff about personal finance or all this stuff about how cognitive behavior therapy and like what you could do when you don't perform at the expectation that you set for yourself as a result of your learning you can actually be really detrimental Mm -hmm. um and this is that's not a quote from Katie, but it was just kind of my takeaway from the conversation. It was good, honestly. Um, it's like an interesting angle that I feel like not a lot of people talk about. No, well, I think because so many people really should be in therapy. Yes. <laughs> so half, half the effort's actually encouraging people to get into therapy, but there's such a thing as just going too far with it. Mm. So, um, yeah. But I back to the the advice that you were looking for too, though. Um, uh, well, I think back to like when I was a a young manager. <laughs> uh, managing people is, is... I didn't realize you were a manager. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm currently an account director. So um, okay. I, I, oversee, I oversee someone um, and I have... Okay, I remember this now. Yeah, and before that, I, I obviously to be director, usually or a manager, but I've, I've managed... I've actually been lucky enough to manage people most of my career. Um, it's actually one of my favorite things to do. I really enjoy being, um, being a mentor and helping people grow. It's one of my favorite things. Um, but when I was really early on in my career, uh, being a young 20 something, I was given my first direct report using, using the corporate lingo. Um, and I, I think I probably micromanaged her. She's still a friend of mine. So I have to ask her if she felt that way, but I felt like I was a micromanager and, um, I realized it pretty quickly because I was not delegating properly. Cause I felt like there was 
I perfected the way to do it. And so I wanted her to do it exactly how I usually would do it. And I may not have always trusted her to get a task done. And uh, so I either wouldn't give it to her or I would just suffocate her every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And um, micromanagement for the people listening, if you have someone in your life that is a micromanager, whether it's at work or like in your personal life, micromanagement comes from a place of insecurity and fear. It comes from a feeling of lack of control and a lack of trust. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that I, there was maybe a little bit of a trust issue, a little, I, at the time was very, I felt the need to control. I had insecurities in myself as a new manager. Could I manage this person? Fear of failure, fear, fear of her failing and having it reflecting poorly back on me. And when I realized that I was doing all of these different things, I was like, this, this is an even bigger issue than getting the task done correctly because I'm not empowering this person to grow. I'm only just perpetuating my perfectionism onto her and I'm not allowing her to practice and empowering her to leave. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Um, And uh, it was, it was only, I don't think it was long that I was behaving this way. um, But I realized that something wasn't working and uh, I had to practice delegating. And part of practicing delegating was learning how to delegate. And a lot of people do not know how to delegate. Uh, Delegation takes a lot of uh, clear communication, a lot of trust, a lot of um, trust is a really big thing. Because if if I trust my direct report and she trusts me back, then I can give direction to the person who I'm managing and give them the toolbox, the things that they need to know in order to get the task done. But mm-hmm. I also have to allow them the room to breathe to go get the ta- task done. So part of that is now, uh, the now, now the way I would do it is, you know, if they ha- allow them to ask questions, to have an open door policy, to give them what they need to go do the job, but then also get letting them know, here's, here's how I would approach it. But I also want to encourage you to try it your own way to do your own thing, as long as you're getting it done on time. And by the way, we'll have a checkpoint at a certain point, or, uh, we'll, we can regroup at any point that you need me to get involved. And if, my direct report trusts me, she'll come to me knowing that I'm not going to give her any judgment for any stupid question or for doing it wrong or for incomplete, for not doing something complete and perfect. Uh, and by allowing myself to not feel that pressure of perfectionism, I also allow my direct report to not feel that perfectionism. Yeah. And so I just, I think throughout my 10 plus years of working that I, I think it's really important to break down that wall as quickly as you can in the working world. That's so um, true. Because it can, imp- it can impede your own personal success and the success of the people around you. And the people around you are also a reflection of you. Um, and so that, that's one place that I have worked really hard to not let my perfectionism take over. It's, it's my personal life that 
uh, I've made progress, but it could, could use a little more work, mm-hmm. <laughs> a little That's more forgiveness. Funny. When you're talking about like perfectionism and micromanaging in the workplace, it's funny because immediately I go to like an accusatory state where I'm like, yes, this is my boss. He micromanages me. Everything is his fault. And I don't need to be micromanaged. But then I like reflect on my own self and I think specifically about my social clubs and the volunteers I have. And I mean, I'm definitely getting better, but in the beginning, I had a really hard time, you know, giving them permissions in our group chat to like really, you know, manage it from like an admin standpoint. And the funny thing is, is that every time I've given someone like the ability to manage parts of my club on their own and really give them that trust, it only had it only has created more value or more reasons to trust them than not. Like it's always worked out for me in the end, and I've always learned new things. Um, I think when you start the club, you go into like this like idea of how it's gonna be, and that like you know because you started it and you've like built it from the ground up, you think that you're the one who knows things best. And no one, I mean, I hate to say it, but like no one could possibly know how to make this better than you because you've worked so much, like you spent so much time on it and you've put so much effort into it. And then these volunteers come in and they totally just give me a run for my money. And I'm like, okay, like there are people who are more talented than me, who are smarter than me. And by learning to trust them and bring them into my circle, like this thing is just getting better and better and our community is just getting stronger and stronger. I think with that, I'll transition into the next part. And I know we were touching on this earlier, but you seem very aware of your perfectionism. You seem to have moved past quite a bit of the struggles, but what struggles are you currently facing? And more specifically, with the YouTube channel that you want to start that has just been kind of indefinitely put off. Um, how has that been shaped by perfectionism? Long-winded answer, or long-winded question there. <laughs> queen, I'm the queen of long-winded questions, by the way. I think one of the things that I'm still struggling with in perfectionism is kind of what I spoke to before, that self-critical voice. Um, I'm consistently running things by like my mentors on, you know, Hey, look at this project with me. Da, 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 and I run through it and they're like, what are you talking about, Rachel? This is amazing. Everything you do is, is always better than I would have ever expect it to be. And I just wish that sometimes I saw that in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's one area that I am constantly trying to combat. Um, another area is just that self-doubt. Um, and again, I think I struggle with this more in my personal life and definitely have with this whole YouTube journey that you're referencing. And for the people listening, I have been debating starting a YouTube for probably a year and a half now. Um, around the time that I started thinking about it, my mom was sick. And so... I was helping take care of her and um, it was not a good time for me to start a personal project. I did not have capacity for that. Um, when my mom was in hospice, um, she actually encouraged me, not necessarily with YouTube because I, I didn't share that detail with her, um, but she encouraged me to write about my experience and 
uh, my, that meant to her, that meant my experience with, with my journey with her, my experience with, um, just my life, the things that I've learned, some of the stuff we're talking about today is a great example. And she really, really wanted me to write about it. She felt that it was something that the world could learn from. And that really stuck with me, particularly because it was such a, uh, interesting time for her to reveal that that mm-hmm. wish for me I guess if you will um so I th- I think I've kind of held on to that thought in motivating me but um the perfectionism has really gotten the way and the self-doubt has gotten the way of whether I'm going to measure up to my expectations of what um my channel could or should be and uh, I think part of the problem is that I, I like watching YouTube channels. I, I learn a lot. It, in a sense, kind of makes you feel less alone of some of the things that you might be going through or, or, uh, or um, encountering in life. And uh, people are just, there's so many interesting people out there. It has so many different stories. And I really enjoy that part of it. And so that's inspired me to want to start a YouTube. I feel like I have a lot to share. And it just looks like fun. Mm-hmm. And... So, uh, you would be a great YouTuber. I think if it's not clear at this point, you would be excellent. So just a little like affirmation there, but keep going. <laughs> uh, I I really appreciate that. It's and hearing that is so motivating and encouraging. It's, it's just some, it's just one of those weird things where I I'm like, what makes, what makes me think that I should go start a YouTube? It's that inner voice that starts gnawing at you where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, what, what makes me so special? What do I have to offer that other people don't? Um, kind of like what you're saying with your club, like, oh my gosh, there's so many more talented people out there that yeah. have so much more to offer. And, um, in a way you just, I feel like I just kind of start putting myself down, which is just so stupid as I'm saying it out loud. Um, yeah. Uh, another part of it is that, uh, you know, what I went through with my mom was a really difficult thing. Um, and I'll definitely, you know, one day when I do get my YouTube set up, hopefully by the time this episode airs, I'll have been motivated to get it started. Yes, we're putting but, we're putting some pressure on you, but not too much. We we're not we're gonna manifesting be it. <laughs> um, but in this current moment, I have I've made no progress. But with everything that uh, I went through with my mom and, uh, and her, her passing and my healing and everything after, uh, which I would in theory share on my YouTube channel. It's just a really, it's a vulnerable thing, opening up that side of yourself and the self-doubt kind of comes in where it makes, it just makes me question if that's the right thing to do. Is that Mm going to be a mistake? Is that going to be, uh, a bad thing? Is it going to have negative effects on my life sharing that part of myself? And do you not think that like I necessarily- negative effects like people at work might hear it that you don't want to or negative effects that like it might give a perception of your mom that you didn't really want people to perceive? Um, I'm curious like what you mean by that. All of it. <laughs> All of that. Mm-hmm. Um, what my friends will think. What yeah. my, uh, you know, follow Instagram followers might think. Um, and I say it that way because not everybody on there is not technically a friend. They mm-hmm. don't always know me, but people Which who, is such a silly like input to consider because it's like, they don't even know you. Right. So like, why does their input? So why does matter? it matter? They don't have we the spend, full context. <laughs> we spend so much energy in life thinking about 
the opinions and effects of people that don't actually really matter in our life as opposed to what the people close to us would think. And even then, all that should matter is our opinion of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's definitely... It's as I'm saying it, preaching to the people listening, I need to take my own advice. It's just, it's a really difficult thing to practice. And, um, that fear that of, and, and yeah, like my colleagues too, um, you know, I, what are they going to think of it if they listen and how, how would it affect my workplace? I work with clients and have personal, personal professional relationships there. And what are they going to think? Um, and honestly, the story of my mom and everything is just such a small piece of what I would want to talk about on that channel. I do by no means would want to make it a grief channel or like recovery channel. That's not the aim of what I would want it to be. So it's not just that. It's it's just opening up your life for everybody to see it and and hear it. And it's it's your face. It's just mm-hmm. such a it's such a vulnerable thing to like put your face on the internet and speak out loud the oh, things yeah. you have to think. Um, me doing this podcast with you is just, you know, when I saw that you were starting it, it just sparked something inside of me that was like, I, I want to, I want to talk to Monica about this. This is just such a cool thing. And then when you were like, I was thinking of you and actually I want you to be the first person. I was, I was like both terrified and excited all at the same time. <laughs> and I feel like because I got the chance to work on it with somebody, it motivated me to like push past whether this would be a perfect episode or to plan it perfectly. It's like we both put our best into this and uh, I know you'll, you'll put your best into making it a wonderful product and that for everybody to hear and learn and listen from, but it's just, um, it's, it's scary doing it on your own and that's what my YouTube would be. So I think, uh, I think when it comes to the perfectionism even deeper with the YouTube, um, there's so much I don't know. I've spent so many hours watching videos of other successful YouTubers uh, share what they would do if they were starting a YouTube today and like uh, sharing their experience and whatnot. And I have pages and pages of notes uh, of learnings and takeaways. And I found a lot of common ones but the the YouTube thing it for me is like if it turned into a business or something, then cool. Like it, yeah. At the very at the very most, it'll open some fun opportunities for me, some uh, some doors that may not have been there. But I by no means expect for it to be a business. So yeah. why am I approaching it with the pressure of something like that? Yeah. Um. So what and, do you think, like? Like on the opposite end, that at the very best, you would obviously like maybe make a little bit of money from it. It would be like, you know, an endeavor for you business wise. But I think just on the opposite end, and because I'm cynical, of course, this is like where my mind goes naturally. Um, but I also want it to like knock out maybe some assumptions you might have. Like, what would be the worst case scenario you put out? You put out some content. Um, what's that worst case scenario you're maybe afraid of? Um, that I'd like lose my job or that, um, people would tear me down. People on the internet are mean. They're really Mm -hmm. mean. And uh, I've watched people be really mean to some really wonderful people. And it's, it's just a sad thing in our society today. Um, but that's also assuming that people actually listen. (laughs) 
Like, yeah, there's a, there's a very good chance I can make 50 Main videos and like 10 people watch them. <laughs> like the world is listening to me and the world is judging me. My 13 followers on Spotify are totally judging us. We're at 13, by the way, guys, like we're getting big here. And I'm one of them. <laughs> My mom's also one of them. Hi, mom. Okay. Okay, we're at 10 now. We're at 10 actual followers. Um, so yeah, I guess not that much to be scared of yet. <laughs> but I but I think there's the fear that someday like something will come back to haunt you. I mean, there's always like I it's a, I think I also have that boomer voice in my head where it's yeah. like don't put something on the internet. Don't post oh, yeah. those comments on the internet. It's going to come back to haunt you. So true. Um, but uh uh, you know, at this point, I there's a million reasons not to do a lot of things. So I, I'm I'm running out of reasons, and it, they're honestly they're just they're they're stupid. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't. I think the perfectionism part that I do really need to get over is is uh, in the editing and the skill set. Yeah. I have. I remember you talking have, about that. It's so hard. Anyone listening. If you watch YouTube videos, like every time you watch a YouTube video, just hit the like button. Like I I actually, now that I've tried making one and tried uh, starting this whole thing, uh, nothing that has actually aired, but I've tried it. Um, It's a lot of freaking work. And Mm -hmm. so when I watch YouTube videos now, before I even get to something, I'll I'll like it. Um, If it ends up being... (laughs) <laughs> if it ends up being content that I'm like, I don't think I can support this, then I'll unlike it. Yeah. You give <laughs> them the benefit like, of the I, doubt. <laughs> I give them the benefit of the doubt. And I think that um, it's that's like my currency. Uh, that's my way of like throwing them a bone because that stuff goes so far from them between watch time and the likes and the subscribers and commenting. Like those are the ways that you can support people on YouTube. Um, and they, they don't get paid for their time, much like mm-hmm. you don't get paid for your time with your walk clubs and you don't get paid for your time on this channel and the work that we're doing right here, right now. Um, it, the, the money, if it ever comes, comes so far down the line. I cannot yeah. emphasize that enough. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that and they take that for granted. But um in the journey of trying to start YouTube, I pulled up, I got a brand new computer and because I didn't have one <laughs> and okay, that's a valid I, reason. It's not a perfectionist thing. You, you need an actual device to, to record on and to edit on. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, uh, and to be clear, we had a, a family computer, but it's so old that it just could not handle the video software and any of the 4k footage that I have I have captured, but I, I traveled a lot last year and I took so many videos and vlogs of things, uh, that I wanted to share, even if it's not for the sake of a channel, just to share with my family that doesn't Mm -hmm. live here that I haven't been able to show. And, uh, it's just so hard editing videos between the audio and the cuts and the imagery and the branding of the channel. And then, uh, adding words in and figuring out, Oh, can I, can I say that? word on the internet? Should I be putting a disclaimer there? There's just so many different questions that come up and it just becomes paralyzing and overwhelming. And my editing ability, I thought that it would come back from my video projects in high school. And it is, it is zero. (laughs) I, I know how to cut and paste and 
even that I do it wrong half the time. So it, there's just a lot I'm going to have to learn. But I, I do realize, you know, the advice for someone who's going through that and the advice that I'm going to try to give myself right now is to just start messy, um, to just know that the first time that you're going to do something, it's not going to be perfect. It's not even going to be close to be perfect, but that's also kind of the beauty of the journey. And I'm hoping that I can find beauty in that journey going forward is to just put out a really awful product the first time because it's yes. better to just get it out there and then do, if you can do one, some, if you can do something 1% better than the time before, eventually 1%, 1%, 1%, after a hundred times of doing something, you'll have mastered so many different things. So it's like the next, the first video will be awful and I'm, I'm excited to put it out. I'm going to put it out. I'm deciding right now. I'm going to like I'm it before I see it. <laughs> I'm declaring that I'm putting a video out. Um, but yeah, warning everybody, it's probably going to be kind of amazing. Kind of amazing. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny too. Like I was telling you this, um, I think last time we hung out and the content I'm drawn to these days is like very raw, very imperfect footage. And um, you'll see this with a lot of content creators. They're like not being so neat with their editing. They're really just like putting things out there because that like super like perfectly constructed um, content you're seeing, it's just, it's so overdone. It's been so overproduced for many, many years now that getting something that is a little messy is almost refreshing. So I think that should be like a positive aspect to putting something out that's not perfect sooner rather than later because it's just like what's trending nowadays, you know? Yeah, I I loved that you said that. Um, actually, I believe that's how kind of Emma Chamberlain started. Mm -hmm. um, she was, I, I watched some of her early videos and it's literally her as a teenager just yelling <laughs> at the computer screen for 15 minutes <laughs> so about true. nonsense. And, uh, but it, I think what people were uh, addicted to was her and her personality and uh, that she was just unique and, and unfiltered and just kind of chaotic. And it was just intriguing. It's it, even yeah. now, I, I know she's much older and she's been doing it for a while, but I kind of, I, I felt intrigued by her earlier videos. So I, in a way that's definitely, it's definitely motivating. Um, you know, being, I kind of going back to the, the way we kick this off, the origin story of my perfectionism. Um, I, I do kind of have some of that, like, you know, orange County voice in my head where it's like, Oh, but I have to have my hair curled and I gotta mm -hmm. you know, put my makeup on and, and look really great. But that's why we're not even putting up a video of this because we both agreed that we don't look good enough for a video, <laughs> which is absolutely ridiculous. But I mean, in my head again, like I can't even, I can't even fully accept that it's ridiculous because I just don't feel like I look presentable right now, you know, which is like a whole other thing, but maybe, maybe I need to take some of my own, own advice there. Um, but that's funny. That's something that we, we like, we're like, we can't go on camera right now. We're not ready. Well, when my, when we started this call, my, when my hair is still wet, it's still wet. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that. Then again, when I think about it, some of the stuff that I've already filmed, um, I don't know if I'll ever post it, but I, I, uh, I definitely filmed some things that are no makeup, unfiltered, like my hair's a mess, everything's a mess. It's just a matter of whether I'm going to post it. But I kind of want to take that as a challenge myself, like when I start this channel, is to 
uh, yeah, I, you know, I want to look nice and I want to look pretty and I want to feel good and it makes you feel confident when you look good. But, um, but also at the same time, I kind of want to challenge myself to, to, if I just have something to say, to just turn on the camera and say it, it mm-hmm. doesn't need to be so perfect, but, um, it's, it's hard I, I, in the spirit of our conversation today, it's hard to get there. It's hard to, uh, accept the possibility of criticism and those high expectations yeah. from other people. But, uh, what it is, is it's brave. <laughs> I think it's really brave when people are willing to put their unfiltered self out there yeah. and to say what's on your mind and to look at, look however you want to look and to just own it. And I think that that's something that people are inspired by. Um, and that's something that I hope that I can inspire in myself at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you've inspired I, I me. Like, <laughs> really? Yes, I feel very inspired. Honestly, like I feel like I'm, I'm not just hypercritical of myself. I feel like because of the family structure I grew up in, and I won't go into too much detail about this, but I was, I was taught to just be too judgmental of pretty much everyone and really set unrealistic expectations in my relationships in my friendships. And that's some work that I've like done a lot on, but I mean, I just haven't gotten to myself, which is where a lot of my struggles are now. Um, I don't even remember what we were talking about originally. Where was I going with this? I have no idea. Uh, how how I inspired you? Please tell oh, me. Oh yes, yeah. So you <laughs> inspired me. Boost my ego. <laughs> I, think, I think seeing how positive you are, and you just have like a really good energy about how you're like you're. I mean the the whole liking before you even see the whole video. Like that's not something I would have ever done. But now that you say it, I'm like maybe I'm gonna do that. Like support content creators, support people who are being vulnerable. So I think that's what I'm taking away from this. I really like it. So Rachel, I'm gonna wrap things up now. I think we're coming towards the end of our conversation. But after all of this, um, I have to ask, why do you think the first change moving forward is that you're gonna make in order to be less perfect? And it can be small, it can be big, it can be in the next week, ideally sooner rather than later. (laughs) (laughs) Tomorrow, right now, this minute. Uh, Well, I think the first thing I could do is narrow down that critical, not narrow, but I think the first thing I could do is probably tell that critical voice in my head to get lost. Um, uh, to really combat that thinking. Um, and that critical voice is not necessarily something I impose on other people. It's really personal to myself, but Mm I, I think that I need to be nicer to myself. A lot of it's the stories we tell ourselves. And I definitely make up some pretty stupid stories about (laughs) my capabilities and, and, and what, and my self-worth and, uh, in my personal life. And so I think that tearing that down and just taking chances, I, I think I really, uh, this is, this has definitely motivated me to start my YouTube. And, um, I think that taking the chance and starting that channel is just, it, it should be viewed more as an exciting opportunity and an exciting adventure. And I think I need to remove that pressure of having mm-hmm. it be this perfect thing or the pressure of uh, what other people might think of it because um, I really should just believe more in myself. So I think between the the self-critical voice and just believing more in myself and that I don't need to be perfect and don't need to be this idealistic 
uh, superhuman that I've painted in my head in order to add value to other people's lives. Because in a sense, that's kind of what's inspiring me to do it. If one person can take away something noteworthy or learn something about themselves or make a better decision because of something that I said as a result of, you know, what I've learned in my life, then, then I'll kind of, it'll, it'll feel worth it. And I can't have that opportunity to influence or help other people or support other people or cheer them on if I'm not uh, putting myself out there. So it's time to put myself out there, time to, to break the walls down, take some chances and, and do some things without fear of failure. I, there's the failures part of the journey. And 100%. I, I think it's a really important part of finding success is making mistakes and allowing yourself to make mistakes. Because if you don't make those mistakes, you can't improve. And if you can't get there, then, then you don't really just, you don't really achieve true success. So, um, that was a very long winded (laughs) answer. I love it. I love what I'm going to do next, but I'm, 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 uh, yeah, I'm feeling really excited and encouraged about about what's next. And hopefully the next time I'm on, I'll, I'll get to tell everyone all about, uh, you know, the things that I overcame and, and what's next for me. Oh, we're definitely having you on again. You carry this episode. Um, (laughs) it's funny too, because I think I told you this before I had spent six hours on my first episode and only could come up with 19 minutes of content because I, I don't know what it is. Like I just have very, <laughs> very concise thoughts. And so you being able to like really use your words to say what's on your mind, it's just not a skill that comes naturally to me. So like watching you is very inspiring. And I feel like I have a lot of things I want to practice in terms of like expressing myself. But with that moving forward, I'm really excited to see your YouTube channel. And I would also like to share with the listeners, um, just your social media, like where can they find you and your future content? What's your Instagram? Let us know. So I'm actually only on Instagram uh, and you can find me at my full name. It's Rachel Dorsey. Uh, Monica can include it in the description so you guys can figure out how to spell it. Yes. Um, and on Instagram, I'm also going to include a link to YouTube. You can definitely uh, f- either follow there. I'm actually not sure if you can follow yet, yet but the page is set up. There's just no videos. Um, yeah. And uh, if you're following me on Instagram, you can definitely keep an eye on my stories. Um, I don't know. There's ways to turn notifications on if you know I do that go for it because I'll probably be posting something in the next two weeks so we'll see how that goes thank you so much for listening everyone make sure you rate this episode um other than that we're wrapping things up and thank you so much for listening thank you for having me you're welcome